Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time once again for the Silver Bullets Podcast. I'm Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, the Ohio State Buckeyes are 2-1, bouncing back after the Oregon loss against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. And Kelly Hines told us last week on this show that Tulsa plays to the level of its opponents, and I'm not sure if Tulsa played up or down to Ohio State's level this week. Now, there's a perplexing thought. Yeah, I, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that uh, they played up, and uh, unfortunately for Ohio State on the defensive side, and I mean we can talk about offensively as well. Uh, it did not. It was not always pretty or elegant, but. Ohio State, you know, they they won, but let's let's face it, going into the fourth quarter, there was some I don't want to say anxious moments, but some concerning moments. How's that? Yeah, I would say there were some terrible moments. This oh, is terrible, a, yeah, yeah, terrible is a polite way of saying it. Yeah, this is not a uh, this is not a great uh season thus far and it's kind of happening all over college football to some extent, but not to the extent in most places that it's happening in Columbus in terms of of just uncharacteristic football in all aspects and we'll we can get into that but let's talk a little bit about Tulsa and Ohio State the Buckeyes win it 41 to 20 which sounds a lot more comfortable than it was throughout this game uh the you know looking back at our score predictions uh, this one goes to you. You were really, really close on this one. You had 42-21, so you you were one point off from each team. That's really good, my friend. Well, thank you. But uh, let's just say that when I originally guessed that, I didn't anticipate it turning out the way that it did in the sense that like, I really thought that this was going to be more of, okay, Ohio State um, – you know, like, let's say that it was more, you know, I don't know, 30, you know, to, you know, 30 to 14 kind of a thing at, at the half. You know what I mean? And then uh-huh. the, slowly but surely 
pulling away and and Tulsa getting a, a touchdown in garbage time kind of a thing. That's what I anticipated. But thank you for the compliment. But yeah, I mean, it was certainly not the way that I anticipated. And my prediction was 49-24, so not that much different than yours. Uh, just really some officiating probably kept kept me from being a little more correct but uh it's sure it's okay it's uh we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that too so so you get the victory this week in the score predictions and uh neither of us had defensive picks to click uh clicking uh because i'm gonna say nobody on the defense clicked again this week and you had to call an audible because Zach Harrison didn't even dress for this game. So Right, right. Um, I had JT Tuimiloau, and he played and made a couple of tackles. But honestly, if you're a defensive end on this year's Ohio State football team, you've got to take a look in the mirror and figure out why you're not measuring up even even when the competition isn't good. It's certainly concerning. I mean, we, we are... Uh, you know, let's face it. I mean, uh, we're at the quarter, first quarter of the season being done. You know what I mean? In terms of, of, of a 12 game regular season to be three games in and defensively, this team is not even remotely close to where they need to be uh, to, to be in contention for the big 10. I mean, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even thinking the college football playoff. I'm actually, I, I, I'm not even going to say secretly hoping. I'm openly hoping that, that they don't make the college football playoff because they, it would be, it would just be dreadful if, yeah. if they, if they don't make a dramatic change for a, a, a dramatic improvement. Yeah. So speaking of dramatic improvements, uh, the, the promise was made after the Oregon game that things were going to get cleaned up, that some, some uh, responsibilities got shifted around. Kerry Combs uh, was upstairs in the press box for this game. I jokingly said that if the team uh, doesn't improve defensively, the next step is uh, he gets to be in Toledo for the next game. Um, well, and that's, I where, think, that's where he can yeah. watch from because it's it's ultimately the buck stops with the defensive coordinator. He's the defensive coordinator. And you never can put too much on one person because something like this, there's a lot of moving parts. You and I talked about it in the preseason. We had a, uh, you know, we mentioned our concerns entering the season, and most of our concerns were on the defensive side of the ball, but they were all corner, safety, linebacker. We didn't worry about the defensive line, and the defensive line has been as culpable as any unit on the defense. In fact. You can make up for some poor play in the secondary if you can heat up the quarterback, and this team cannot, cannot pressure the quarterback. No, they can't. I'm glad that I'm glad that you agree that the defensive line uh, is is very much. I mean, they are not they are not absolved in this discussion about the poor defense. I mean, it is unbelievable the lack of pressure that the Ohio State defensive line. I I mean, I struggle to understand when you, when you talk about uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, you know, you mentioned Zach Harrison. I know he was out. Uh, Hopefully he'll be back uh, for Akron. I I prefer he not play against Akron if it means that he's back for, uh, for the remainder of the, of the big 10 season. That's how important I think his presence is. Um, 
Tyreek Smith. I mean, we could keep going on and on about these highly rated, heavily recruited players that the Ohio State on third down, they're just woeful. Garbage. They're garbage. They are a tire fire inside of a dumpster fire surrounded by Porta John fires. Ooh, that's quite the visual and... I would say I, I'm fortunate to say that I, I, I'm far from what that would possibly <laughs> smell like. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the third down, the lack of efficiency at getting the opposing offense off the field, it comes down to, I mean, you're hitting it right on the head. The, the lack of, of a pass rush is allowing the opposing offense to, to stay on the field, which means – Okay, they get to continue their drives. They get to con- they get to keep the defense on the field, which makes them more tired. I mean, it's it's just a, a dreadful cycle. So I don't know how it gets fixed. It has to get fixed. Though. Yeah, it does. This is I'm looking at this right now. There's 130 teams in Division One. Ohio State's third down efficiency on defense is 126th. There are only four teams worse. Those teams are Georgia Southern, Northern Illinois, Western Kentucky, and UMass. That means Akron is better on third down than Ohio State. UNLV is better on third down than Ohio State. Kent State is better than Ohio State on third downs. Um, UConn is better than Ohio State on third down. This is historically bad stuff right here. It is, and 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 I'm not saying this to be kind of a smart aleck. You and I have, have watched a lot of Ohio State football, a lot. Yeah. Um, for us to be able to kind of, you know, think back to, oh, remember when this team, I mean, and I'm thinking back to, I mean, there were some dreadful, in the early part of his tenure, I mean, John Cooper teams, um, you know, Jim Trussell had, you know, some lulls here and there. Uh, you know, it's like you said, I mean, this is historically bad Ohio State defense. and I just don't know how it gets fixed. The Buckeyes are allowing conversions on third down at a rate of 53.19% of the time. And the, the really troubling thing about that is that a lot of these are longer than six yards to go. I saw something the other day that had me concerned, and that is, uh, besides all the stats that you're rattling off, is probably in recent memory, I guess, for any of our listeners, people immediately go to how bad at the end of the 2018 season the Ohio State defense was, and that defense is good in comparison to (laughs) What we're, I'm, I'm being completely. I know scared. you are. I know you are. I don't mean to laugh. At, at, I'm not laughing this, like you're. I'm not laughing like you're joking. I'm laughing because it's such an absurd thing. It is. It it it, it is absurd because I just don't. It it really comes down to. I look at it where yeah you know like the, I, you know I I'm I'm of the opinion that the that the scheme is the issue, but I don't care, you know. No, no disrespect to uh, Davis Brin, the the quarterback from Tulsa, 
But going into that game against Ohio State, he had not thrown any touchdown passes. He winds up throwing for 450 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I mean, when you don't have any kind of pressure, I mean, now at the the end, and I know we'll talk about it in the review, um, they started to. But, I mean, it's going to be a brutal, brutal West rest of the rest of the season when Ohio State when the opponents start to get Im- improved and they are improved um, mm-hmm. all the way throughout the conference um, that it could be it could make for some very very uncomfortable situations um, within that locker room for the remainders of the season if they don't get going. Indeed, uh, would you like me to tell you who is number one in third down conversion defense in the country? I'm going to guess it's that team up north, but please correct me if I'm mistaken. No, no. The the conversion rate against the number one team on third down is only 15.63%. So they were only allowing 15.63% conversion on third down. It is the Boston College Eagles coached by... Jeff Halfley. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Rutgers is second in the country in this stat. And from what I understand, I'm, I know we'll talk about the going around the Big Ten. That's one of the advantages of Ohio State playing the night game is getting an opportunity to see how Rutgers does against Michigan this coming weekend. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Let's use the word interesting here, Chip, that the top two teams in the entire country on third down conversions defensively, coached by Jeff Halfley, and Graciano. Well, the Jeff Halfley part, that doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me because, I mean, we all saw the, the fruits of, of his labor, so to speak, when he was here. Um, the Greg Schiano thing, I maybe, and this is just something, I'm just borrowing some of the logic of Gerd and, and Tom Orr, is that now that Greg Schiano is back as the head coach and he has to oversee everything. He actually has gone back to a simpler is better. Whereas when he was Ohio State's defensive coordinator, that he, you know, he had way too much time to kind of tinker and fiddle, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And that's why the Ohio State defense was bad in 2018. Yeah, it was a sticks. I mean, it was a sticks paradise theater uh, situation. He had too much time on his hands. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was. I went there. It was a deep pull. Kids, you're not going to get that reference. I got it. I yeah. got it. That's yeah. You're an old like me, Chip. <clears throat> you didn't have to say it, but that's true. Yeah. All right, so let's get into this game. Um, not going to go through it blow by blow too much, but Ohio State trailed in this game twice uh, to Tulsa. They they got the ball first, bogged down early. Um, I want Tim. Tim Brando will have you know that C.J. Stroud throws high when he's uh, when he's uh, a little excited, and uh, boy, he didn't miss an opportunity to talk about that on the broadcast on Saturday. Uh, so the first drive bogs down. Tulsa comes down, kicks a field goal. Didn't really seem to struggle to move the ball at all, and that would be a constant theme in this game. Really, it was. It was Tulsa bogging down that really kept Tulsa from from maybe even taking control of this game at times. 
Uh, They kicked a 22-yard field goal to take the lead. Ohio State answered with a 43-yard field goal from Noah Ruggles, and Tulsa came back down, kicked a 31-yard field goal, take a 6-3 lead by the early part of the second quarter. Um, And then uh, Ohio State got going a little bit, uh, started to use Travion Henderson a little more. He had a 5-yard touchdown run for the first of his touchdowns on the day to put the first touchdown on the board and make it 10-6. to And then uh, Ohio State ended the half with a 44-yard field goal from Ruggles. And it could have been more at the half. I believe it was the second. Was it, was it not the second quarter with the uh, Denzel Burke interception that uh, was insanely overturned? Yeah, I believe it was. I mean, it was called an interception on the field, Chip. It was a great play by Denzel Burke, who is really emerging early in his career as a player who, you know, you can just circle his name and know that he's going to be something. And he made a good play, just stuck his arm in there, and at no point did the receiver appear to have the ball under control or have any clear possession of it, and didn't even really seem to know where the ball was until Denzel Burke showed it to him after catching it. And I didn't really think anything of them going to replay except for the fact that I thought, well, maybe they think it hit the ground or something. And so when they showed the replay and it clearly didn't hit the ground and it clearly was never possessed by the receiver, I didn't really worry about it, but then they overturned it and you could see Ryan day, very animated. What? (laughs) And, I think he spoke for all of us in that moment because there is absolutely no human reason to say that you saw proof that the ball wasn't intercepted. I agree completely. I think Ryan Day, I, he, I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, just the what uh, <laughs> that was so visible. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there were other words that were, were being uttered at that point. Mm-hmm. I uh, used those words. <laughs> well, you were not national television. So that's true. Uh, that, you know, I'm sure those were also being uttered, but I, I'm glad that Ryan day had the presence of mind to not be, you know, being uh, at least being shown saying them on national television. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Ohio State had a 13-6 lead at the half, and Chip, that is Ohio State's first halftime lead of the 2021 season. I never thought about it that way, but now that you mention it, I mean, again, it just it just goes to show how how deep rooted these these problems are. I think. I mean, we're, I know we're going to talk about the second half, mm-hmm. um, but. Um, it seems as though that the defensive problems have started to infect, for lack of a better word, the offense. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. So what you're saying, Chip, is what I hear you saying is that if you don't do the things that you need to do to be responsible and keep the plague from spreading, then it, in fact, does spread. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. I wish there was some maybe real-life um, example we could point to to, to illustrate that. <laughs> oh, I know where we're going with that. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going back to the third quarter, Chip. That's where we're going. Uh, the Buckeyes did manage to get a stop 
uh, to start the third quarter. And then it was the Trey Henderson show, 48-yard touchdown. Ohio State, you figure at this point, is going to cruise. But no, because the defense has to go back out on the field. And uh, Montgomery catches a 21-yard pass from Bryn and answers the touchdown with a touchdown. And uh, before the third quarter ended, though, Travion Henderson went 52 yards for a touchdown. And surely now, Chip, this was uh, this was going to be Ohio State's game. Well, I would I can only say um, don't call me Shirley because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, it's uh, it, it, it was anything but unfortunately. Yeah, correct. So, end of the third quarter, Ohio State looked to be in in better shape with a, a twenty-seven to thirteen lead, but back came the the pesky Golden Hurricane with a twenty-two-yard pass from Davis Brin to um, Josh Johnson this time, and again, this this was a a problem. It was. At least in the first half, Ohio State did a better job of stopping the run than they had in the first two games. In the second half, Tulane started running the ball again, and and they were able to uh, vary what they were what they were going to do a little bit as a result of running the football better, and they were able to get some yards and get some points. And then uh, Ohio State scored Garrett Wilson on a 12-yard pass in the in the fourth quarter to answer the Johnson touchdown, making it 34 to 20. And then the Buckeyes, uh, you know, finally put the game away. I mean, with under two minutes to play when Cameron Martinez intercepted a pass and went 61 yards for a touchdown. Uh, 41-20 is your final score. There was also um, a touchdown, uh, an interception called back in this game. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that the secondary was playing any better. Didn't mean the defense was playing any better. Uh, a better quarterback would have uh, probably stolen this game for Tulsa. And the thing is, you know, the, the better quarterbacks are coming. Uh, yeah, you know, better offensive it, lines and better wide receivers, yeah. better running backs. Yeah, I mean, now if there is a, I guess, a blessing from this game, is that. Ohio State may have figured out, all right, with in terms of Travion Henderson, um, and I know we'll talk about the picks a click, and uh, that maybe, all right, that Travion Henderson, that he deserves to get the lion's share of the carries. Um, maybe that's maybe that's what is the the one positive mm-hmm. that comes out of this out of this offensively, uh, but. Um, yeah, defensively, I mean, there is just, yeah, they, they were better against the run, but they gave up so many passing yards, so many, I mean, just in terms of, uh, like you said, the, you know, the, the two touchdowns, I mean, they, they never, ever were in control of this game. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's to say that it's deeply concerning would be understating it substantially. Yeah, it was concerning and there was. Did we hear anything after the game about Mayan Williams? Don't know. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, it was. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I. I mean, I, I have nothing nothing negative to say about 
Travion Henderson's performance. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great to see. Oh, sure. Uh, you know that you know I'm I'm happy for him that he is emerging as the player that we have been hearing wonderful things about throughout the the spring and the summer. Um, I I will the only thing that I will guess is I I thought that I read something online that it might have to might have had something to do with Mayan Williams practice performances maybe like leading up to that game that mm-hmm. maybe he, and. And if that's the case, I mean, that's uh, who am I to, you know, to say, oh, you know, like, well, you should play him anyway. If I mean, if he if his if his practice performance was causing some concern within the the the, the, the coaching uh, coaches, they they know full well, hey, we've got a, a, a talented running back room. Somebody is going to be there, and, and in this case, Master Teague, you know, as that compliment. I guess I just always thought that it would be, you know, after the performance that, that mine Williams had against Minnesota and you know, yeah, I guess you could say for a little bit against Akron, excuse me, Oregon, mm-hmm. um, that it would be the Henderson and Mayan Williams combo, but right. Who's just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see this coming weekend. Right. And we do know that the coaching staff, um, and Ryan Day, they talked a little bit about the Oregon game and that it wasn't the running game wasn't good enough, the line didn't block good enough, and they also pointed out that the running backs needed to run harder. And I don't know if that was um, directed at Mayan Williams or if it was just everybody in general, and then he followed that up with a poor week. You can't have a poor week of practice after that performance. So um, maybe that's what it was. Maybe there was a minor knock. Maybe it was a combination of things. But um, certainly was uh, not a bad sight to see Travion Henderson in the game running through the secondary and into the end zone multiple times. Um, your pick to click was Mayan Williams for the, I believe, the third straight week. Correct. And uh, was. he obviously didn't click because he sat on the sidelines. Uh, he was dressed. He just sat on the sidelines the whole game. Uh, Travion Henderson was my pick. And, uh, oh boy, Chip, did this young man click or what? He did. I, I like I said, I have nothing. Don't, and I think you would agree with me if if it would be. I don't want to say a concern yet because it hasn't hurt Ohio State yet. Um, ball security, uh, you know, a couple fumbles that fortunately Ohio State was able to recover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think it was but, down on the second one, uh, right. the one where he got hurt. Right. Right, and I know I I'm, I can almost audibly hear you gasp. Um, oh yeah, oh, along with yeah. along with with I think every Ohio State fan, um, you know, understandably, um, you know, I'm glad that he was okay. I mean, even I thought I I saw a comment from Travion Henderson that he was he thought that his knee was injured, but it, it fortunately was not. So yeah, I think Travion Henderson definitely he he's shown, you know, in the in the limited times in the first two games and especially in the in the substantive times against uh, against uh, Tulsa that he certainly has shown that he is capable of being the number one back on Ohio State's roster. Yeah, it just was it, the way this season has played out. I mean, you already lost Josh Proctor for the year. Thayer Munford went down in this game, although I guess it's not. Uh, expected to be long term 
And then Travion Anderson, uh, he went down very awkwardly the way that he was tackled on that play, and he's writhing around in obvious pain, holding his knee, and you just feared that sight because that sight is not often followed by good news or he's okay. You know, that's that's we've seen enough football to see what that you you know that kind of um, vision on our screen normally turns into. So it was great that he was okay, just maybe a hyperextension, um, and he was able to not only play well, play the rest of the game, play well, and set a freshman Ohio State. Uh, record for yards in a game with 277 yards. When you break an Archie Griffin record at Ohio State, that's significant. Oh, very much so. I mean, you're talking about something that was nearly 50 years. Um, And when you think about some of the great running backs that Ohio State has, has been blessed with, you know, since, since the time of Archie Griffin, and, you know, when you think about, you know, as true freshmen, you know, everyone was understandably raving about, you know, Maurice Claret, you know, in terms of, you know, how significant he was in that national championship year for, for Travion Henderson in only his third game to come out and break one of Archie Griffin's records. I, I think it speaks volumes about the potential that he has to have a tremendous career at Ohio State. I do too, and and if not for that knee uh, problem, at least for a series or two, and then a couple series at the end of the game, he would easily have broken the single game rushing record for Ohio State. I I agree with you. I'm I'm going to ask a question, and it's not it's it's okay if the answer is no, um, because it's it's obviously it's not our decision. But do you think that that do you think that that incident that play might be enough to with you know like with Travion Henderson where the coaches might say you how about wearing a knee brace um to protect you know what I mean because mm-hmm. I mean there's so many good players you and I have I mean it, it's it's understandable it's like okay it, they kind of are grateful for the fact hey I wore a knee brace it could have been worse if I hadn't been wearing the brace I mean what do you think um, I don't know if they're going to go that route or not. I mean, it's it, it was a very awkward way he was tackled, and it's certainly not a normal way for a running back to get tackled. But um, if he's okay, and if they if he feels better without it, I mean, I mean, they might ask him to try it and see how it feels in practice. And if he if he's okay with it, he might do it. But uh, certainly, you don't want to hinder his explosiveness because that's part of what makes him as good as he is. And he has been every bit the back that was, you know, that we suspected he would be when when they signed him, and and with his ranking in the in the country and all of that has been, he's lived up to it, and it's only three games in, and he is really the offense right now. Yeah, and and I will say that you have to also give it up to the offensive line for playing better this week because he doesn't run through big holes if there are not big holes there to run through. Yeah, the offensive line, it was very reassuring. Uh, you mentioned Thayer Munford uh, uh, leaving the game and uh, very reassuring to see, all right, Matthew Jones, you're up. Uh, mm-hmm. And that offensive line didn't miss a beat in terms of uh, the, the running game production. If it was me, and again, I'm sure Coach Day 
is listening to every word that you and I are uttering about what what should be done. Of course. Um, if it was me, I would actually keep Thayer Munford out of the game against Akron based on the fact that, okay, I, I have no idea how significant the uh, injury is to Thayer Munford. It was enough to, obviously, he didn't return to the game, but I would rather, I would rather, okay, you've got, someone very, very capable in Matthew Jones, I would rather make sure, okay, Thayer Munford is a hundred percent ready to go for big 10 season, especially when you don't, you're not going to need him against Akron. Yeah. So I would assume he, I would assume he doesn't play when they say it's not a long-term thing. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll, he'll be ready to go the next week. It could be two or three weeks rather than maybe the whole season. Um, but we'll see how it goes. If he's, there's no reason to play him against Akron, as you mentioned, and he, and he probably won't play as my guess based on how Ryan Day has handled this kind of thing in the past with with lesser opponents, uh, lesser um, non-conference opponents. And so I wouldn't expect to see him, especially the way Matthew Jones played. In fact, I thought that the line actually played better after Thayer Munford got hurt, and that's not to slight Thayer Munford. That might just mean that if you have someone who has been taking guard reps for a lot longer, they might just have better chemistry playing the guard role than a tackle. I mean, I mentioned it on, on Twitter on Saturday. It's You want your five best offensive linemen out there, but they're all the same size and, and mobility, and you know there's there's no delineation, and they're all tackles. Sometimes you want your guard to be a guard. And your center to be a center. You don't. It's not always bigger is better on an offensive line. I agree with you. I think it was surprising that Matthew Jones coming out of the fall camp, just based on the performance that he he gave on such short notice last season, when when pressing a duty, you know, going on the road at Michigan State. Matthew Jones was was one was definitely one of the better players on that on that offensive line. Uh, played well, and the fact that he was supposed to be in competition for the the starting guard spot or the center spot, and it just you started hearing more and more about Luke Whipler and the idea of moving Thayer Munford. So yeah, I think you might be onto something that they might be better they might be better served with somebody like Matthew Jones who is a I mean a dominant run blocker. Yeah, that they might be better served. And uh, you know that's that's common on the offensive line. If your name is Jones, you're a good run blocker. Dewan Jones was just mauling people in the run game. He did have some issues a few times in the passing game, but um, certainly was outstanding in the run game, collapsing that that right side. Uh, so yeah, getting back to the original, uh, 277 yards for Trevion Henderson. Master Teague ran for 62 more. Um, and Nicholas Petit Frere got a rush. <laughs> he got credited with a rush. Oh, for the, for the fumble recovery. <laughs> yes. There yeah. And there was a time early in this game when uh, that seemed to be the only way Ohio State could get a first down, which is to fumble the ball and have Nicholas Petit Frere fall on it. Yeah, it was it was ugly. The very I mean, from the very beginning. I, you know, when when I think back to the very first series and. and I agree with Gerd. A tweet that he had is Travion Henderson did come very, very so, oh so close to breaking the very first carry of the game, you know, for a 76 yard touchdown. 
I mean, it was uh, yeah. he did get tripped up. But he fell there, on that stupid turf that everybody on Ohio State seems to be <laughs> having trouble with. But none of the opponents are slipping. Well, the one the the one back for Tulsa, who is wide open, um, that Davis Brin hit. Um, on a you know like on a third down, mm-hmm. he he slipped. Okay, yeah, um, you're right. Er, one opponent, quarter. one opponent, one opponent, and but, yeah. several Buckeyes. Well, I told Gerd, I did tweet at Gerd because it's one of these things where when they have the the Ryan Day press conference, Gerd has made it known that you only get one question. Yeah, uh, that you you don't have the the luxury unless your name is Tim May. Um, but, and Tim May has earned, he's earned the ability and, and the right to ask multiple questions and have them answered. But I said, I did suggest to Gerd, are you going to ask about the turf? Because I think that's a legitimately, I mean, what we've been seeing for the last couple of weeks, uh, against Oregon, against Tulsa, I think that's a legitimate concern. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, I want to get some more of these stats, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on hold. Put a pin in that for now. We're also gonna take our our trip around the Big Ten, and uh, you know check out what the other teams are doing. We're gonna look a little bit of Akron, probably not too in depth, uh, but we'll we'll pick out some stuff that that we can watch for on Saturday, and we'll get to uh, this week's picks to click, and the uh, and the score predictions as well. In just a moment, uh, our defensive picks to click again uh, did not. You went with Denzel Burke as a changeup. I, I guess he was as good as anybody in the on the defense. I'm gonna actually give you a click since you had to just change from uh, from a guy who didn't even dress, Zach Harrison. So I'm gonna give you the click on that uh, def- defensive side. I did not get it one from from JTT who only had a couple of tackles and not really. Um, he had one quarterback hurry. Which uh, on a, on Saturday was one of I think three three hurries. <laughs> it's right. That's, that's not enough hurries against Tulsa. So, all right, let's get to all that stuff we still need to talk about right after we do this. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back, Chip. Uh, no guest this week to talk about Akron. I just, I just didn't want to get too deep into it because I knew you and I were going to be talking more about the lack of of improvements on the defensive side and maybe a little bit of backsliding on the offensive side. And really, we don't care. This even this 
even this bad of an Ohio State team should be able to handle Akron easily. Um, so it's not that we don't actually care. It's just that we, we figured we would devote more time to the things that we knew we wanted to talk about and less time to an Akron team that we maybe don't want to talk about quite as much. So um, just to finish off rattling some of the stats off uh, with you, C.J. Stroud, up until this, probably the second quarter of this game, I had heard more people talk about people calling for C.J. Stroud to be benched than I had actually seen evidence of. But I did see some of that in my timeline this week. And I'm just, first of all, I want to say third career start. And yeah, he's been sharper in other games and he's been a little bit off in every game. Uh, We do know he's he's nursing a little bit of 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 a knock to his shoulder. Um was the was the line that he gave um something yeah my shoulder hurts but life hurts or something like that yeah i i'm with you i i certainly was not in that camp and i i i still am not either in in the camp of benching cj stroud because i'm just thinking in with the with the mindset that as you just said all right, he he's played his third game. Benching him not only, you know, would dramatically hurt his his confidence. Um, I think you know that not everything I, I think is not necessarily all his fault. I I anticipate this is just my guess, just just purely a guess. It has nothing to do with poor play. Has nothing to do with you know message board chatter. Any of that foolishness is my guess is that Ryan Day is going to look at this as CJ needs as many game reps as possible. Yeah, and, I agree with that. And so I anticipate at least at least a half against Akron. A, a few weeks ago I would have said maybe a quarter cuz the way that uh you know the the way that you know I anticipated the season going which it isn't. Um <laughs> but I'm in, I'm anticipating at least a half, and I'm anticipating seeing not just Kyle McCord, but possibly Jack Miller as well. I think yeah. this is this. It would make complete sense to me that you've got. It, it it really would not make too much sense considering you know like what if that shoulder issue that C.J. Stroud is going through. What if it does become an issue? You really can't squander opportunities to get your backups into a game against an opponent that you should have no problems with. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, interestingly enough, uh, while well, CJ was 15 of 25, he did throw an interception, um, 185 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked two times. The interception was a bad read on his part. And the, the thing was... It may have just been that that confidence that kind of helped him win the job. Is he looked like he checked down to see Travion Henderson and then went back to Jeremy Ruckert downfield, who was in coverage, and thought, "Hey, I can get that in there." But if he just dumps that off to Travion Henderson, it might have been a touchdown the way Travion Henderson ran the ball. You're right, and. Another thing that I mean, I think it's it's also hindering the offense, and it might have to do everything with that shoulder. But he is reluctant to on any of the 
uh, you know, on any of the, uh, you know, plays where you think, okay, well, he's going to keep, um, he's going to keep on this one. I mean, he just has not shown any kind of interest whatsoever in running it, kind of like what you saw a few years ago with, with, with Dwayne Haskins. And that I think is also, it's impacting the running game. Um, so yeah, yeah, I agree I, with I you. Just, I, I think, I think, you know, and again, it might have to do with that shoulder, um, you know, that if, if he's, if, if the, the right shoulder is not feeling well, you know, getting hit on it, um, you know, by carrying the ball, it, it certainly doesn't make too much sense, but I would just like to see, like I said, a solid half and let's get Kyle McCord in because I mean, the people are, that are chattering for him, um, you know, I, I think Kyle McCord definitely deserves some playing time. Jack Miller deserves some playing time just in case. That's that's right. the angle I'm taking, just sure. in case. So yeah, it makes sense. And it's funny because I heard people. I, I've saw more than one person, more than one writer, uh, and some of these guys go to practice, say something to the effect of, "We need to see um, Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers, not Jack Miller." I'm like, wait a minute, Jack Miller might be the second string quarterback. And yeah, Quinn Ewers. No offense, um, he doesn't know the playbook yet. He hasn't. He's not even been I, I, here very long. Right, right. I mean, I understand. I understand all the hype and hoopla. I get it. Um, you're, you're, you want to talk about, you know, like really, you know, putting that kid in, in a, I don't want to say a no-win situation, but a, a tough situation. You know, you put him in, like you said, doesn't know the playbook well, comes out. I mean, it, it's. I'm as excited as anybody to see, you know, if the if the hype is justified around Quinn Ewers, but let's let's hold off on that. If yeah. if there's an opportunity to get him in, fine. But and and it could be this this Saturday. I doubt it. But like I think I, you know, I I I'm not sure if you saw it, but the 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 guy who was who was saying that C.J. Stroud's performance was was worse than Joe Bowserman. And, and I'm like, really? Well, that's you, ridiculous you know, like, because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna hit you with this. C.J. Stroud now has the Ohio State record for the most yards passing in his first three games, um, and I'm pretty sure Bowserman is not even in the top five in there in that that situation. Oh, absolutely. Like <laughs> like it's, it was it was it, it was completely ridiculous. Yeah, to, not, to, probably to Bowserman's up. probably not in the top twenty. Yardage uh, for his first three games, uh, quarterbacks at Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, this is what happens when you have a a Justin Fields, a JT Barrett, a Braxton Miller, a Dwayne Haskins, and then you get a normal, excellent freshman quarterback. <laughs> you actually have to deal with some growing pains along the way, and it, it's not always smooth and easy. But did he throw four picks? No. Is he help, being helped out? No. He's not being helped out. I mean, he he lost multiple big plays in this game on dropped passes and another pass that was caught by Chris Olave that was called back on a penalty. And Chris Olave got shut out, Chip, by Tulsa. I know. I know. No catches on four targets. And one of them's Chris Olave's fault because you could not have thrown a better ball. And one of them is on his offensive line for holding 
I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Nicholas Petit Frere on that play, but I'm not positive. I may be misremembering. Or or maybe Paris Johnson. Uh, I can't. Yeah, could have. Yeah, you're right. I think it. I think you're right. I think it might have been Paris Johnson on that play. But yeah, not not a good look. Um, there were yards after catch that weren't there. Garrett Wilson caught a third down ball and just seemed to stop. When if he would have kept running, he looked to have had an easy route to the to the you know get to the edge and get that first down he only needed about three more yards i think when he caught that crossing route so there were more yards there to be picked up there were a couple other drops uh guys that didn't necessarily weren't on the same page with him a couple times and you know it's hard to say whose fault those were um he did get the ball to his tight ends this week jeremy record had a couple catches kate stover had a catch uh gee scott jr had a catch um so he spread the ball around, but uh, no, we didn't. Uh, didn't get a didn't get a ball uh, that was caught by Chris Olave that actually counted. Uh, but again, if Chris Olave is mad about the uh, the streak coming to an end, Chris Olave can look in the mirror because he dropped a pretty easy one. I agree with you. And when you when you one of the things that you said that I think has to be continually you know, just shouted from the rooftops and, and it has to be a constant reminder to Ohio state fans that Ohio state fans have become spoiled. They have become spoiled to outstanding quarterback play. And that's not to say, I mean, again, you know, you, you mentioned in a, in a separate uh, instance about, you know, CJ Stroud's interception, um, you know, which was avoidable. I mean, mm-hmm. it w- was a bad play. But getting back to the spoiled concept that, all right, yeah, you've had over, let's just say, you know, like, you know, with JT Barrett, and I know there are plenty of detractors out there, but JT Barrett playing for would seem like for forever. And then, all right, uh, you have Dwayne Haskins come in and all he does is uh, become a Heisman Trophy finalist, a first round draft choice. Then Ohio State was fortunate enough to to have Justin Fields transfer in and play two seasons of you know nearly Heisman Trophy caliber football and himself mm-hmm. a first round draft choice. There's going to be a drop off. I don't care. I mean, for all the people clamoring for Kyle McCord, Jack Miller, I'm telling you, they, mistakes would be made. They're, they would be yeah. made. Yeah, this is what happens when it merely is good. This is good play out of the quarterback. Oh, absolutely. But we're used to superhuman play out of the quarterback. That's what we've become accustomed to, because that's what we've been getting. And you're right. I don't see Kyle McCord or Jack Miller or Quinn Ewers necessarily having this team in any better position than what C.J. Stroud has had. And and I don't think it's time to, to pull him. I think it would have been a mistake to have pulled him. The some of the stuff I saw online was when Ohio State was leading the game. <laughs> you, you, why pull the quarterback of your team is not even in a position to lose. Uh, granted, it wasn't as comfortable as it could have been, but there were way more uh, reasons for that than the quarterback play in this game. And I'm, I'm not being a C.J. Stroud apologist here. I'm just being real. This is 15 of 25 with a touchdown and a pick is, is merely a decent day. And it was his worst day of the three. Um, I think right. he's been I think he's been great so far, especially if you you know, we don't know how badly that shoulder might be bothering him. 
Um, clearly, he's not in any kind of a brace. He's not wearing. Doesn't look like he's wearing anything protective under that. So it must not be super serious. But it's something that he's gonna that he's kind of been dealing with. And yeah, there are nerves. There are butterflies that that, that doesn't go away in game two or three of your career. That that's that's something that is going to have to be dealt with in probably the second half of the season is when you, you don't see that at the beginning of a game. So I say, give him a break and relax. And, and in the meantime, got pretty good offensive line, got Travion Henderson, uh, master Teague's not a bad backup. Mayan Williams, not a bad backup. If, if Travion indeed does take the, the starting spot. And by the way, Travion Henderson was the, uh, unsurprisingly, the Big Ten freshman of the week, and he was co-offensive player of the week. Who was uh, who was the other? I, I didn't see. I, I saw the freshman of the week, but I didn't see who was he sharing the, the co-offensive player with. Irrelevant. He shouldn't have been <laughs> sharing it. Shouldn't have been okay. sharing it. Um, yeah, I. Uh, who was That's it? okay. I don't remember uh, off the top okay. of my head. That's fine. No, that's fine. Like I said, I think, <laughs> I think this week is an opportunity to. Oh, so I'm sorry. It was Peyton Thorne. I remembered it was. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. A pretty it's, good it's day op- for Michigan State too. <laughs> very good. Very good day. Yeah. Um, but it's an opportunity for Ohio State to truly establish their running game because they're going to need it. Um, yep. when, it, it's, I mean, it's just the nature of, I I'm, I'm always of this mindset is, I, I mean, the, the weather is still nice. Um, but as the calendar starts to get deeper and deeper into fall weather, the big 10, you, you never know what you're going to have. And I would rather be reliant on a strong running game to help that still maturing quarterback. So I think, yeah. You know, that's what I would like to see this weekend. And the wind in his face will keep those balls from from flying over his uh, receivers. So that should help, too. Sure. (laughs) All right. So uh, Garrett Wilson led the team in receiving with 70 yards, uh, and he had the touchdown. Jackson Smith and Jigba had uh, 33 yards, 30 for Ruckert. Um, Only three players had multiple catches. uh, Ruckert with two, Jackson Smith and Jigba with two, and Garrett Wilson with six on ten targets so he was the uh, he was the go-to guy i will have you know jesse murko quietly uh, improving and doing better each week uh 44.3 yard average on three punts which doesn't sound impressive but all three punts inside the 20 chip that is impressive yeah. and noah ruggles is starting to kind of i i think out of necessity i think ryan day is kind of all right i know he likes to be an aggressive play caller mm-hmm. but if the opportunity is there to put points on the board knowing what kind of a defense that he has he can't he can't turn that down so i'm i'm happy to see Noah ruggles is is justifying uh you know uh the coaching staff's faith in him yeah made some uh made some good kicks in this game um noah ruggles all right, the Buckeyes defense, we, we're not going to get into every player. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that we saw more two, cover two in this game. We saw more blitzing in this game because the to try to do something since the defensive line wasn't getting any pressure didn't really have a, a, a great deal of effect. Ohio State did manage to get two sacks in the game, and I was impressed in, in a few snaps that I saw him from uh, young Tyleek Williams. Yeah, Tyleek Williams is one of those guys that um, I like Gerd's 
uh, I don't want to say comparison, but uh, I, I guess comparison is probably apropos um, to Big Hank, you know, Jonathan Hankins, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like that kind of a frame and, and style of play. Now, one game does not, you know, mean that, okay, Tyleek Williams now is, is in the starting rotation, but I feel better about knowing that there is a true freshman on the roster who, for regardless of the, the rest of this season, that you can look forward to saying, all right, you've got one of these guys that's going to be stout in the middle. And as you said, you know, he was, was uh, able to come up big with the, the, the sack on uh, Davis Brin um, late in the game. Yeah. I was, um, I continue to be impressed by Denzel Burke. I think he's coming along by the end of this season. He's not going to, you're not even going to realize he's a freshman anymore. Um, I thought that we saw some good things out of Cameron Martinez, not just the interception return, but he's an athletic guy and a guy who looks like he's maybe a little bit in the vein of, of Darren Lee, certainly a different position, but he he's just a guy who finds the football and makes plays. I wouldn't mind seeing Cameron Martinez get some opportunities at safety. Maybe I'm in the minority here. Uh, Simply because, like you said, you know, kind of like that Darren Lee, which is, I think, a, a really good comparison. Uh, you know, you're talking about um, Cameron Martinez. You know, it was evident on that interception return. Uh, you know, he's used to playing uh, with the ball in his hands. I mean, like that, you know, was certainly welcomed and and put uh, everyone at ease. You know, like that final touchdown to, to, to put Ohio State conclusively on top for the remainder of the game. Um, but I just think he has kind of, like you said, the, you know, that, that agility, the lateral quickness that it might, it might, it certainly couldn't hurt, um, you know, like at, at safety to kind of cover a lot of ground really quickly. Maybe that's what they're missing is uh, no offense to to Bryson Shaw, but it's, it's not a lack of effort. It's just, it just seems as though he's, he's not where he needs to be when he needs to be there. Maybe Cameron Martinez could get some get some playing time at safety and see what that looks like. Yeah. So uh, I thought Ronnie Hickman played a little better this week, and he led the team in tackles with nine, um, and uh, and he got an interception. So some some maybe some bright spots. I still think Cody Simon looks the most comfortable of the linebackers. Um, we still see we're still seeing a lot of guys. I still saw Steel Chambers out there. Um, we saw uh, Gao Teote out there. So there's still a lot of rotation going on. Maybe not as much as there was, but uh, you know maybe some of that rotation was good because if Tyleek Williams can make plays like he did, then maybe he will earn a spot because it just doesn't seem like we're getting as much as maybe we expected from Haskell Garrett. Maybe they're double teaming him more. I, I have to like probably watch with that in mind to see what they're doing with him um what the opposition's doing with him and of course when you don't have tommy togi on the line with him that's probably going to make it uh easier for the offensive line to deal with haskell garrett yeah like i said i can only hope you know the the healthy return of zach harrison uh you can only hope that tyreek smith javante jean baptiste you know, JTT, Jack Sawyer, all these, all these defensive ends that we, all these accolades that that they were receiving, that they start to 
put it together because I mean the the lack of pass rush is is what's going to be causing a lot of heartburn uh, for the fans and the coaches um, <laughs> if if because that's again it contributes to that that dreadful third down defense. Um, I mean they they're just without any kind of pressure. It's just going to be a long year. Yeah. All right. There were uh, not many champions, as you would expect after this performance. Um, offensively, uh, tight end Mitch Rossi graded out as a champion. He has become quickly the best blocking tight end on the team. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson each were graded out as champions. And Matthew Jones on the offensive line, uh, which is, it goes back to the penalties. A lot of the a lot of the offensive linemen had penalties in this game. There were a couple false starts, a couple holds, and a face mask. And that was spread out amongst the offensive line. So what you got left is you got Matthew Jones, who didn't commit any of those, and he gets to be... Although I think he might have had a false start, actually. But he graded out as a champion. Uh, player of the game on offense, uh, champion Travion Henderson. On the defensive side of the ball, Tyleek Williams and Ronnie Hickman graded out as champions and the player of the game was cam martinez and the special teams players of the game were xavier johnson who actually returned a couple kickoffs that were short and it warms my heart to call this guy's name chip uh special teams player of the game linebacker cade kashersky you and i both remember john kashersky that's right who had a really great career going at Ohio State, but it was derailed by some very serious injuries during his career. Otherwise, he could have become one of the all-time greats at Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there there weren't a, a lot of champions, but uh, you know, uh, I I didn't see, but that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, it, it's one of these things where uh, Kate Kaczurski on on the special teams units, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you know in terms of his play. Uh, did things to, to earn that champion designation. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chip, that that ends our, our discussion of the Tulsa game, and it was much more than we probably, than the game probably warranted. But I, I think it was important to talk about the good and the bad and also what we saw differently out of the defense, which, again, it's still not good enough, but it may be, maybe, I stress, the first step in trying to correct it. They have to. This is it. This coming game against Akron, um, it was it was better than what we saw against Oregon. Um, it was, I, I, I guess you could say, in a, a matter of speaking, just the fact that um, you know, in terms of the, the run defense, uh, what they gave up to Tulsa versus what they gave up not only to Oregon but Minnesota in Game One. So yeah, some some improvement, but things have to be dramatically improved um akron offers the last opportunity be, before let's i'm just gonna say it, you know before you get into big 10 play and i know we're going to talk about the the big 10 um there's no margin for error um no. the big 10 the mig the big 10 east is probably at its most competitive since i'm just gonna say it since rutgers and, and maryland joined the conference this is probably the most competitive division since uh, they did away with with uh, you know leaders and legends. I think. <laughs> oh, easily, easily. <laughs> um, 
So let's go through the Big Ten. It started on Friday with Maryland going to Illinois, and surprisingly, Maryland struggling, but they did pull out, the Terps did pull out a 20-17 to win. Um, Talia Tungavailoa threw for 350 yards and only one touchdown, but he didn't play great in this game despite those numbers actually being decent. And I saw some stat about his play at home versus away, and it's pretty staggeringly different how Maryland has been on the road uh, with him at quarterback than at home. But but the Terps go to 3-0, and and Burt drops to 1-3. and well, as far as Illinois goes, that's that's about par for the course, if, if we're going to be honest in terms of kind of what we anticipated it being a difficult year. Um, as far as Maryland goes, I mean, let's face it, uh, it's starting to, you know, like they, they've got um, a, a very underrated back team in Kent State, uh, you know, who I, I know we're going to talk about uh, Iowa later on, um, but I, they they stuck around Iowa for a good portion of that game, so Maryland definitely needs to to be continually improving. Yeah, uh, Chip Nebraska dropped to two and two, but put up a really good fight against uh, their traditional rival Oklahoma in a little bit of a cross conference uh, game. There, twenty three sixteen, the Sooners win it. They go to three and zero. They do not look anywhere near the third team in the country through three weeks in the season and Nebraska, which lost to Illinois staying within a score of Oklahoma rivalry or not. That's not a great look for the Sooners. It's not a great look for the Sooners. And if if anything, um, I know moral victories are, you know, they're they're not satisfying. And it's certainly, you know, not anything that Scott Frost wants. Um, But I think you're right that, I mean, the fact that this game, was certainly much more competitive than uh, most college football fans, myself included, uh, anticipated. You know, I think it, it it allows something for Nebraska to build upon, and now they get to play against a very improved, very improved Michigan State team. So we'll kind of see, kind of you know what what kind of direction uh, Nebraska's season takes after this game. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Kent State. They went to Iowa City and lost 30-7, to but that was a 9-7 game after one quarter and just 16-7 to at halftime. So Kent State just couldn't get any offense going, but actually held held up pretty well against the Hawkeyes. I think Iowa is just is going to be – this might be um, – this might be the team to beat in the Big Ten West. Um, I know we're going to talk about Wisconsin and Minnesota and I, I just think so far from, even though they are not necessarily very flashy, I think Iowa is just as, as tough as can be. And they might be that they might be the team that emerges from the big 10 West when it's all said and done. They might be the team that emerges from the big 10 when it's all said and done. That's, that's also true. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, Cincinnati went to Indiana as the eighth-ranked team in the country, and the Hoosiers had not been uh, had not gotten off to a good start, especially getting thumped at Iowa, as we we talked about the Hawkeyes. But Indiana really gave the Bearcats a game and led most of the way. They had led fourteen to ten at the half, 
and 24-23 after three quarters. The Bearcats finally uh, started to play well in the second half. Uh, I didn't think that, that Ritter... Their quarterback played very well in the first half. Uh, played much better in the second half, and Cincinnati figured out some things and got some stops, especially in the fourth quarter. And Michael Penix, man, I'm not sure what's going on with that kid, but he was 17 of 40 uh, for 224 yards and two touchdowns. It was uh, it, Penix has had some rough games already this season, and Indiana's one and two. Well, they have an opportunity to get back to 500. Um, they they go on the road to Western Kentucky, so there's a chance that they can get back to one and two. Or excuse me, to two and two. Um, but you're right. I mean, Michael Penix hasn't played up to the level that Indiana needs. I, I know that overall Indiana's defense is is solid, uh, but you know if you're not if you're not getting effective quarterback play. I mean, it's probably all for naught. So they've got to figure out something because after this weekend, then they go into, you know, they go on the road to Penn State. Uh, so it's it's certainly not looking like a, an easy road for the Hoosiers. Yeah. Marquee matchup of the weekend was Penn State hosting Auburn, and Penn State gets the 28-20 win. In this game, Auburn did have some opportunities that uh, the Tigers squandered in this game. Uh, there was some very strange officiating in this game, um, but uh, I'm not sold on Auburn yet for this season. I'm not sure about Penn State, but they certainly look much better than they were a year ago. And they have Villanova on Saturday, so they'll they'll have the opportunity to pad their stats before and O. Uh, before they begin uh, conference play, um, we just talked about Indiana uh, the first weekend in, in October. Yeah. Uh, Purdue went to Notre Dame and got beaten 27-13. That's got a sting, considering Notre Dame has not looked good the last couple of weeks. And uh, Notre Dame is quietly 3-0, th- and uh, surviving the Florida State game, surviving, was it Toledo last week? Yeah, Toledo laid an egg against Colorado State. Yeah, so, and then Purdue couldn't get anything done in this game. And, and, in fact, Notre Dame had to pull away in the fourth quarter because it was uh, it was 17-13 after three quarters. And then uh, Notre Dame tacked on 10 in the fourth quarter to, to pull away and, and make it look more comfortable than it was. Well, Purdue, uh, they get the advantage of playing Illinois. So uh, to kind of get back into a winning mode. I think Purdue is improved, but there's still a long way to go uh, for them to become uh, a threat within the Big Ten West. Yeah, Purdue has got some offensive issues um, and and maybe some defensive issues as well. Jack Cohn of Notre Dame only went 15 of 30 in this game for 223 yards. He did throw for two touchdowns, but uh, only completing 50% of his passes at home against Purdue is not a great look. Uh, for Jack Cohn uh, or really anybody that quarterbacks the Irish. Um, Michigan State had a big ask to go into Miami and get a win, but the Spartans did just that and uh, and win it 38-17. So in the end, a comfortable win for Sparty, and the number 24 Hurricanes dropped to 1-2 and two with the other loss coming to Alabama. And... I am all in on the Mel Tucker bandwagon. Uh, 
if if Kerry Combs' defense manages to get Ryan Day fired, give that call to Mel Tucker because the Spartans look like they're already back. They do. Um, congratulations uh, to Michigan State because even though they uh, were very involved in the transfer portal, I was highly dubious of how effective that would be. Obviously, I was completely wrong. Uh, the early results, like you said, 3-0, and they've got uh, that game against Nebraska that we talked about. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. They are looking very formidable. Um, I'm just glancing at their schedule. Besides Nebraska and they have Western Kentucky and then they're at Rutgers. I mean, right there, you know, like they, they might be bowl eligible before the middle of October. Um, it's, mm-hmm. They definitely are much, much better, and that's a credit to Mel Tucker and that staff. Uh, for getting this team ready to play and 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 performing as well as they have. Yeah, I'm I've been impressed with the job they've done. We'll we'll of course learn more about Mel Tucker's team when they start playing the Penn States and the Michigans and and uh you know some of the tougher teams in within the division. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh we discussed earlier that Northern Illinois is one of the one of the only few teams worse than Ohio State on third down defense and uh, Michigan beat the Huskies 63 to 10 to move to three and O Huskies fall to one and two Minnesota absolutely spanks Colorado in Boulder 30 to nothing. Uh, Not a huge day for Tanner Morgan. He was efficient, uh, but uh, Trace and Potts runs for 121 more yards and three touchdowns. So it looks like they have found uh, the, you know, the answer to the Ibrahim uh, injury uh, in in uh, the Twin Cities. Yeah, I'm happy that Minnesota did not allow the Ibrahim injury to derail their their season. That they have, you know, come back strong. Um, I know that they had a close call against Miami of Ohio in their second game. But like you said, they completely dominated Colorado. So it looks like that they're, they're figuring things out as for the Wolverines. Again, very surprised that they have been as efficient as they have. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Um, I know it's not, you know, it's not sizzling. It's not sexy, but that team is very, very comfortable running the ball and being very successful whenever they do. So they, you know, now granted they haven't necessarily played against, the most dominant, like you, you rattled off Northern Illinois, um, some of the most dominant teams uh, defensively. That's what that's the game on Saturday that I'm truly excited, believe it or not, truly excited to watch prior to the Ohio State Akron game. Is how do they do against a, an improving Rutgers team? I think this that this is going to you know just kind of see we'll, we'll get a better understanding as to. Um, how much better not only the Wolverines are, but also the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, it was just getting to the Rutgers game. They win 45-13 over Delaware. Not a not a, a tough ask, but uh, Rutgers teams in the past, and, and given some of the Delaware teams in the past, that was never a given, <laughs> it's, uh, maybe in some previous years. But uh, Chip, Rutgers has played three games, and Rutgers is 3-0, and halfway to bowl eligibility. And the advantage they have after after playing against Delaware is they they can basically say, oh, we played these guys last week. They they wear the same helmets when they go when they go to Ann Arbor. It's basically it's like 
psychologically, they're not going to be intimidated. In all fairness and all seriousness, they shouldn't be intimidated after the game that they gave the Wolverines last year. Yeah, missed the that, field goal in overtime or they would have yeah. beat them. So I'm just saying, this is I'm I'm really excited to watch this just I mean, as kind of like the the preview or the the, the precursor, if you will, uh, for the Ohio State game, getting an opportunity to watch this game. Yeah. And then finally the Battle of the Nerds, Chip. Northwestern went to Duke and lose by a touchdown thirty to twenty three. Duke had a twenty one nothing lead after the first quarter. Just a terrible start for the Wildcats. And the Blue Devils get the win there as uh, Northwestern dug too deep a hole and could not come back. It was it was thirty to seven at halftime. So just the fact that the game ended up as a one touchdown game uh, speaks well to the team. Um, you know, modeling themselves after you know in the image of their coach Pat Fitzgerald as, as being tough and having some heart and showing some fight. But in the end, this just doesn't look like a Northwestern team that you would expect to see in the Big Ten championship game? No, not at all. I mean, they definitely have fallen back into bad Northwestern mode. Uh, They are, um, they're just not, I mean, I know that we were talking about, uh, you know, the the toughness and the tenacity that you're, you're used to seeing with Northwestern, but they've got a lot of, a lot of issues. The fact that, like you said, that they, they made it competitive against Duke that that's that's a great thing but duke is is certainly not a good team so for them to fall behind as you said 21 nothing um there there are a lot of issues there i mean i think northwestern is going to probably be home for the holidays this year yeah northwestern uh struggling on defense they allowed to duke a 300 yard passer a 100 yard rusher and a 100 yard receiver well i mean everyone knew it was going to be a transition with the retirement of Mike Hankwitz from the longtime defensive coordinator position. I don't think anyone thought it would be so swift and severe as it, as it's playing out. We've secretly replaced him with Kerry Combs. Let's see if anyone notices. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, Hey, uh, I will have, I will be happy to apologize to Kerry Combs once the defense turns around at Ohio state. Um, I am, I am not one that usually lays all the blame in one spot. Like I said earlier in this podcast, there's usually a lot of moving parts and a lot of things you can look at. I don't think that Kerry Combs is responsible for, for example, the fall off of the defensive line. There's gotta be some culpability there for Larry Johnson. Who's normally, normally does a very good job. And normally has his guys ready to go and making plays and getting penetration, but you don't see this defensive line getting penetration. You don't see them sacking the quarterback very often. You don't see them harassing the quarterback. Um, they they don't normally need to be bailed out by blitzers. Ohio State has not blitzed a lot since Larry Johnson's been here because they haven't needed to. So I think that you can blame. Uh, you can put some of the blame there. You can obviously put some of the blame in the middle of the field with the linebackers. You can put some of the blame on just inexperience. Um, so there's plenty of blame to go around. I'm not putting it all in one place. But the buck does stop with Kerry Combs. He's the coordinator. And ultimately it stops with even beyond that with Ryan Day. And if Ryan Day uh, believes that Kerry Combs can get the job done, then he's going to give him the opportunity to do that. And that's what he is 
he's kind of done with some of the reshuffling of the responsibilities. But if Ryan Day doesn't think that Kerry Combs can get the job done, then Ryan Day is absolutely compelled by his position and having the buck stop with him to making that change. And you don't wait to make the change once you identify that change needs to be made. So uh, he didn't fire. We've certainly seen other coordinators already fired this season. We've seen head coaches fired this season. Uh, Ryan Day did not opt to go that route. So Ryan Day is uh, basically saying, I believe that this can get better. And if Ryan Day is wrong about that, and if this defense continues to be historically bad, it's going to be a really long season for Ohio State. And ultimately, Ryan Day has to answer to people too. So uh, I would not have thought that Ryan Day's job might be in jeopardy by the end of this season when this season began. But I will tell you, after three games and not making a change at defensive coordinator, he is now saying, this guy has my confidence, at least to the, you know, to do what I have him doing. And if things don't get better, now it's on Ryan Day. It's not just on, on Kerry Combs. Well, I certainly think at the end of the season, changes will be made. Um, I agree with you. I think as, as, as much respect as I have for Larry Johnson as a, as a defensive line coach, um, I think to me, that's, that's what I've identified. Just the complete lack of pass rush. We talked about it earlier. Um, you know, that that's, you know, that's heavily contributing to the poor third down uh, defensive stats that you cited. Um, I think Al Washington as the linebacker coach, I mean, way too much on the, on the rotation um, that that falls on him. Um, I think that the second, <laughs> the, the, the one area of the defense <laughs> that, that, that we, we thought going into this season um, that was going to be like the most glaring weak spot. Not that they, that, that they played exceptionally well, but they probably played better than the defensive line and the linebackers is the secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely agree with you. I think Denzel Burke is a, is a star in the making. Um, we finally but, saw some seven banks this week. So that was good. Yeah. Cameron Brown is, is, is back out there. Um, I, I, I will go, I will, as, as the season progresses and I'm, I'm like you, I'm hoping for improvement. Um, I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, I'm of the opinion that yes, the, 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 the blame lies at the feet of Kerry Combs, but I'm also more and more as I see it, you know, the fact that, that Burns was out calling the plays, Holmes is up in the up in the press box. Um, I look at it like, okay, to me, it's the scheme. That's I, I I'm going to go that that's that'll be the, the uh, to me. It's like, why did you hire a guy who never ever coached this scheme? If you're that hell bent on running it, and to me, it's obvious that the, that they don't the players don't feel comfortable running it with like you, you rattled off Jeff Halfley and how good Boston college is defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they need somebody who now, now maybe Barnes from what I understand is better versed in it than Kerry Combs. So that might be the hope that we can hang our hats on that maybe with the, the change in responsibilities that they'll, that they'll be improved. Hope I so. Know. I mean, I did see them still reverting to that on some third and longs in the second half. I saw them go to back to the single high safety a few times and go back to man to man, and it, it, they were picked apart on that pick play for the touchdown. 
on a third and long, I believe it was a third and long, um, for the last touchdown when it 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 looked like Lath and Ransom got torched, but really he had no chance to cover that that receiver because he had to go fight through uh, two other receivers and his own teammates to get to him, uh, and then ended up trailing like like tough Borland against Devontae Smith in the in the Alabama game. Um, he had no chance at that, and these guys did run some cover two and some other defenses in this game that we haven't seen much of this year. And I don't think that they necessarily did a whole lot better on some of those drives where they employed some of that. So it it may just be that they need reps. Uh, I'm not sure, but we need to see improvement. And I I think we've probably beaten that horse into a fine, thin paste at this point. So let us turn our attention to Akron. The Akron Zips will come into Columbus and, the Akron Zips are not a very good football team, Chip, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're they're pretty poor. They do have a pretty decent and athletic quarterback um, who is not only – his name is DJ Irons. And not only is he uh, completing 76% of his passes, uh, he's played in three games. He's thrown for 534 yards. Uh, he's averaging nine yards an attempt. He's got five touchdowns, so only one interception. So he has kind of taken over the younger DJ Irons has taken over for Cato Nelson, uh, the senior. And but not only is he playing well in the passing game, he's also the team's leading rusher. So on defense, Ohio State will have to account for DJ Irons on every play, and they'll have to stop him. I don't expect the offense to have any trouble throwing or running against the Akron defense. Yeah, I think when when you know just looking at some of the stats that DJ Irons put up against Bryant, I think he threw for three touchdowns, and I think he ran for another. And like I mean, like three hundred yards passing, one hundred thirty yards or so on the ground. Now, granted, Bryant is you know is a lower division school. Um, you know, Akron probably is. I like, thank God we finally got a win. Yeah, um, you know, um, but. Um, you know, considering they opened up their season getting beaten by Auburn sixty to ten, um, they're they're used to being the sacrificial lamb. Um, but this is, I mean, I, I'm almost thinking this is going to be kind of like the, not that he because DJ Irons I think is like six foot six, but this is almost going to be like the the Braxton Miller days of, you know, when when it was you know Braxton left Braxton right, uh, you know, like that 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 it was that was what basically constituted the Ohio state offense. I think that's what you're going to see from Akron. Um, okay. you know, like just any, in some way, shape or form. Okay. DJ irons, like you said, they have to account for him. Um, regardless of whether he's running the ball, throwing the ball. I mean, like they've got to do anything they can to slow him down. Um, because that's basically all they have. Yeah. Now I haven't, I didn't watch this game, but I, I know that against Auburn, he was 13 of 13, for 129 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. Um, That's not bad. Yeah, so I, mean, like, it, I don't know if yeah. those were pop passes or, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know because I didn't watch the game, but 13 for 13 is pretty efficient. And against Auburn, too. I mean, yeah. you're getting, you're getting, you're, you're getting, your entire team is, is getting their teeth kicked in. You know, like I said, I think the final score was 60 to 10, 60 to 10. They lost by 50 points. And this could have also been in, in garbage time and probably was in garbage time. But even so my point, my, the, the point I think you would agree is, 
you know, here's a guy who, I mean, he's pretty much, it. you know, I, I guess I like to put it in a, com- in a competitive sense, um, even though he's now retired from playing football professionally. I, I remember back in the day when Kent State came into Ohio Stadium and they had a quarterback by the name of Josh Cribbs. I mean, he was basically, that's all they had. It, yeah. it was Josh Cribbs. And Ohio State thrashed Kent State, but Josh Cribbs, I mean, he did everything he could to try and keep the offense afloat. That's kind of what I'm anticipating on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, and he's the kind of kid who can take take it to the house if the defense gets out, you know, out leveraged or or is undisciplined. So we'll see how the defense responds. And um, you know, I don't think we need, like I said, I don't think we need to go too deep into the Akron stat book. But he's the guy that will make that offense go if it goes anywhere. And that's DJ Irons. So keep an eye out for him. Uh, he is. Um, as I mentioned, he's their leading rusher. He only has 165 yards on the season on 31 attempts, but that's five, almost five and a half yards uh, a carry. Uh, they also have a freshman running back named Anthony Williams who has is getting seven yards a carry, uh, and another freshman running back who uh, is not doing all that well uh, at just three yards a carry. So I would say that DJ Irons is the guy. If you stop him, you stop the Akron offense, and, and I expect Ohio State will be able to mostly do that. You know, DJ Irons might make some plays in the game, but it's too one-dimensional of an offense, I think, for Ohio State to not be able to win those battles. And I think that on the line, I expect the defensive line to have a much better game, although we won't know if it means that the defensive line is improved at all. Yeah, we talked about this earlier in the season, that sometimes the the worst thing you could possibly have in, instead of no confidence is false confidence. And that's entirely what might come about if all of a sudden the Ohio State defensive line is harassing DJ Irons and sacking him and, and fans are like, oh, see, we're good. No, not necessarily. Not yeah. necessarily. So that's kind of where I'm at is I, I agree with you is that this might not necessarily be the best barometer of the Ohio State defense. Can only hope that they are improved from last week. Last week uh, against Tulsa, they were improved than they were against Oregon. And that's that's kind of where I'm at, is that I've got to see improvement after this game because pretty much, all right, now you're okay, now you're going up against the big boys in your conference. So gotta see it. Yeah. And I will feel much better about Ohio State. Uh, if, and this is a really big if, if Tulsa goes out and wins the rest of its games. There you go. <laughs> uh, they do play Cincinnati on the road, so it's probably not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how good Tulsa is. But Tulsa, certainly, everybody points to the loss to UC Davis um, by two points. Uh, you know, one of the better schools, a division down. Uh, but they also did give Oklahoma State a pretty good ride, and uh, and then they they hung around against Ohio State. And you know, our guest last week said that this team sort of plays to the level of its opponents. So we'll see uh, if that means that they don't play well in their next few games, or or if they if they start getting some wins because they're zero and three. Anyway, with Akron, Chip, I need to get your uh, score prediction and your picks to click. Let's start with our picks to click. 
And I think this week we are starting off with defense, if memory serves. So give me your defensive pick to click against the Akron Zips. Okay. Uh, very difficult. Um, I'm going to go Cody Simon. Um, I just think we got it. We got to see somebody um, from the linebacker group step up. So that's, I know, a very poor rationale, but that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think um, for me, it's it's really just figuring out who is due to have a good game, and I'm going to go with Haskell Garrett. Um, he's been okay. Obviously, he had the touchdown in week one, but other than that, he didn't really affect the game a whole lot. And I think Haskell Garrett is due for a big game, like a six or seven tackle game, which for a defensive tackle would be really good. So... Uh, and maybe even uh, forcing a turnover or something. So I think Haskell Garrett is due for a, a good game, and if he doesn't get it against Akron, it's not coming. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that brings us to the offensive side of the ball. And, Chip, I'm going to declare Travion Henderson off limits for this week. because I no, think that's it, understandable. It, I think that's it's too easy. I think it's just too easy. Um, so, because it's... It, I could take him, and then he could run for 500 yards against this defense. It, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But um, Or he could run for 100 yards and then sit down and, and watch the rest of the game as backups play. So uh, it's kind of it's one of those games. And as such, I'm going to take somebody who's not a starter to put up some stats in this game, and that non-starter used to be a starter. I'm going to take Master Teague in this game. No, that makes that, that makes complete sense. I, I thought of going with a running back, but I know that it's starting to become kind of stale and predictable. Um, I'm not going to go with Mayan Williams, even though I think he might have an opportunity for a bounce-back performance. Uh, maybe a fire has been lit. I don't know. I'm going to truly go off the beaten path. Okay. Um, because And that is, and we've seen glimpses of some potential breakout plays from this guy. Um I think the possibility of some some big plays from number twelve, Emeka Egbuka. Okay, let's uh, let's see how that goes. Yeah, I, we did see some more of the freshmen on the field in this game. I know there was a there was a Marvin Harrison Jr. target. Uh, he didn't. It wasn't a completion, but there was a, a pass intended for him in this game. And I, I did start to see some of these other guys on the field. We're starting to see a little more. Julian Fleming uh, rotating in. So, yeah, I, I like the pick. Um, and when you go off the board and you're going to go bold, go bold, man. And you did. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring he's, he's showing signs in the return game. And I'm just thinking that I'm, I, I don't want to jinx it. Um, but I'm just thinking that that might lead to – bigger things, you know, for him, a, a role within the offense in the second half. So that's kind of, that was my rationale on that one. Well, it makes sense because, you know, Ryan Day coached under Urban Meyer and that's, that's how you get playing time is you excel on, on special teams and you earn snaps on offense or defense. So that makes sense. It's logical. We'll see how it goes and, and see how, uh, how, uh, how these kids go because you and I both thought we would see more, something closer to what we saw the year before last and the year before that, where, where it was a true six man rotation 
at receiver. But really, it's just been, just like last year, it's been the Garrett Wilson-Chris Olave show with some Jackson Smith and Jigba thrown in there as well. Right. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba is starting to become more and more. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's more of a conscientious effort, like you said, Fleming, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Egbuka, now granted, more so on special teams, um, to try and get more and more people involved in the offense and the passing game. Yeah, and this team absolutely, I think, you don't want to show it too much because you've got tougher games ahead, but if this team gets into the tough part of the schedule, Chip, and they don't use Travion Henderson out of the backfield as a receiver or Mayan Williams out of the backfield as a receiver, then they are committing coaching malpractice. <laughs> I know. Why? Well, like I said, I think um, uh, I definitely think that uh, we saw glimpses of you know from both of those players that you mentioned. I think that the the possibility of expanded roles as receivers within the offense in the previous game. So we'll see if uh, the coaching staff uh, does, avoids coaching malpractice, as you said. <laughs> All right, Chip, I'm ready for your score prediction. All right. Um, I think the line has fallen from the 53 down to 49. Uh, I, I That's, again, I'm not much of a, a, a gambler. Um, but I, I really do. I think Ohio State is going to come out uh, and have no problem whatsoever moving the ball. So I'm going to go Ohio State 56, and I'm not going to be so bold to say that they shut them out. So I'll say uh, Akron 7. That's incredible. I had already typed my score prediction in before you said yours. Um, and I had not, it's not the same, but it's exceedingly similar. I said 56 to 13. Okay. Uh, I, I think Akron will, I think DJ Irons will make some plays even potentially maybe late in the game when, uh, if Ohio state gets some backups on the field of it to, to, again, I'm, I'm not sure that I, even against Akron, I'm not sure I trust this defense to be able to completely shut Akron down um, for the whole game. Maybe maybe they pop a big play or two and end up kicking a couple field goals and maybe they get a touchdown at garbage time or something. Okay. All right. Well, the good thing is we get to come back next week and see if we were right or how close we were. So there's always that. Uh, we, we, we also know, Chip, that uh, the Rutgers game now has a kickoff time of 3.30. Yeah, which is, I'm very happy about that. Very, very happy. It's a little inconvenient for me, but I guess I'll make do. <laughs> okay, I understand. Um, yeah, I got, a, I got a thing at 7.30, so um, it's going to it's gonna probably bleed into Light that in. a bit. Yeah. Yep, yep, I understand. So uh, we will see how it goes, but I will, I will get to watch it. I got the YouTube TV. I'll just, uh, I got it set up to, to record all the Ohio State games, so I will be able to to pick it up from where I left off when I get to where I'm going. And then I could just kind of keep an eye on it. And uh, there you go. go from there. All right. Anything else we need to discuss before we get on out of here? No, no. All right. Let's let's, uh, hope for defensive improvement. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, That will do it. Uh, Chip, where can people find you on the internet? I can be found on the internet uh, on Twitter at Chip Minnick. Last name is spelled M I N N I C H. And I'm a contributor to Affon Sports. Look for, even though I've given you my score prediction, look for an article about Akron at Ohio State later this week on AffonSports.com. All right. Look at that. we got an expert on the Akron Zips here on the Silver Bullets <laughs> podcast. 
Uh, I uh, can be found on Twitter as well, at Mike36Fan. And at BuckeyeScoop.com, I am the Grumpy Old Buckeye. I mean, the Grumpy Old Buckeye columns have my name as the byline, but still people in the, in the, in the comments call me Grumpy. <laughs> and I guess that's that's not inaccurate. So what the heck? Uh, but yeah, my somewhat tongue-in-cheek uh, grumblings about the, all the things that went wrong uh, on the field on Saturdays they usually will fall uh, on Sunday, and you can read about them. And uh, again, some of them are are tongue-in-cheek entirely. Others, well, um, I'm actually pretty ticked off about some of this stuff. So uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, a little grumpier this year than I have been in, in years past. But even if Ohio State goes out and wins by 70 on Saturday against Akron, uh, there'll still be plenty of things that I gripe about. And uh, and that's that's the spoiled part of me, and that's, the, that's what plays into it. Um, you know, it's just me being the spoiled Ohio State fan. And uh, and that's what the whole grumpy old Buckeye is all about. So uh, give it a, give it a look, see, and, and and leave me a comment if you like. There at buckeyescoop.com. Be sure to listen to all the other Buckeye Scoop Radio Network podcasts. Even though we're not really a radio network because we're not really on the radio. Uh, Buckeye Weekly, Morning Scoop, uh, of course the Sloopcast, and uh, Gives in the Bank and all that stuff. So uh, give all of those a listen. And uh, you and I, Chip, will be back next week to dissect. The Akron Zips game, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, that's a night game. Be sure to, to hydrate, get ready, get get plenty of rest throughout the day, maybe take a nap, and uh, we'll see how the Buckeyes do. So the only thing left for us to do, Chip, is the thing we always do at the end. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! <laughs>